When the sun shines, we'll shine together. Told you I'd be here forever. Rihanna. Welcome to another episode of Felonious Pundits. I am Kentad Svensgaard, and with me, as usual, your friend and mine, please say hello to Mr. AJ Mass. Hello, hello, hello. We are here. We are smack dab in the middle of season three. We are cruising along, and oh my goodness, oh my goodness. We've got a lot to talk about with this episode. Oh, yeah. Action-packed episode. Folks, if you're just joining us for the first time, I should let you know this is a podcast about the television program Criminal Minds. Uh, Each week we recap and take an in-depth look at an episode of the show. I have never seen this show before, so I will be coming at it with a first-watch perspective Whereas AJ has seen each and every episode, he is our grizzled veteran, so to speak, and that's the perspective he'll be bringing to the proceedings. This week, we are looking at Season 3, Episode 12 of Criminal Minds, entitled Third Life. This episode was written by Sir Simon Mirren. (laughs) I don't think he's actually a sir, but... I can't stop now that I've started saying that. And directed by Anthony Hemingway. It originally aired on January 9, 2008. That's a long time ago. (laughs) Yeah. You could have had a kid somewhere around there, and now that kid could almost be out of high school. (laughs) It's almost like that, AJ. (laughs) My goodness, almost like that. As we record this episode, today is junior prom day. (laughs) Indeed. So anyway, this week we open right away at a crime scene. We are told it's Chula Vista, California. For a bit, we can hear a girl screaming on a soundtrack, and then we see some quick cut shots, criminal mind style shots, black and white between girls going through some kind of traumatic experience. They're struggling. And then we see a grisly shot of a body and uh, Hotch starts us off with a quote, no man or woman who tries to pursue an ideal in his or her own way is without enemies. Daisy Bates. We pull out and we see we're at a crime scene near some woods. I'm figuring Woods is going to be about, what, 50% of the crime scenes? 65%, AJ? It seems like we get a lot of Woods, nearby Woods. (laughs) The Woods are not necessarily the crime scenes, per se. They're usually the dump sites, Dump sites, yes. Yes, disposing of the evidence, yes. Very big difference. Cops are all over the place. A local cop greets our arriving BAU team. Apparently, they have found a body about five years ago, and there were two girls that are missing. They haven't yet been able to ID this body, though, uh, because unfortunately, it's been mutilated in a pretty bad way. There are parents that were part of the original search team that they were looking for these missing girls, but apparently and luckily, the parents aren't the ones who actually found the body. The police found the body 
or someone found the body, not the parents, and they quickly, you know, cordoned off the scene. And they're not letting them near the scene because of the condition of the body. And JJ and Morgan are there. They leave to go talk to the parents. Our local detective just lets us know that he's grateful the FBI is there because he's never seen anything like this. Hotch has to mention how the the face and the hands have been obliterated on the body, basically. Oh, we just love the word obliterated, don't we? <laughs> yes. Uh, it's just interesting. This episode is definitely starting like right off. There's no like we don't see the murder take place, and then you know have the scene at the BAU where they get called. It's like boom, we're here. Let's go hit the ground yeah. running. We gotta get the quote underway. Boom. Ain't got no time for the jet. We gotta just get, get, give go. you the quote and start off. Yeah. So next week, cut over to Morgan and JJ. They're talking to the parents of the girls. One set of parents is a mom and dad, and the other parent just appears appears to be a single dad who appears to be there with his friend. The mom and dad are saying how they were out for dinner, and Jack, who was the other parent, dropped the girls off at a movie theater. And so Jack speaks up. He says when he went to pick them up, they they never came out, so he talked to the usher. The usher said he saw them leave about halfway through the movie for a smoke. He wasn't able to tell if they ever came back inside. And the other father, who will learn his name, Mr. Owen, he asks why they aren't letting them know whose body they found. Jack realizes that if they can't, if they're not telling us who it is, it's because they can't at this point. So he can figure out what that means. And so the mother, Mrs. Owen, she asks why, what did they do to her? And JJ starts to say, you know, until we know whose whose body this is and what happened. We're not going to be able to tell you anything. And the other man speaks up. That is Jack's friend. And he says, you're, you're talking about the FBI, right? When you say we. And Morgan says, look, we're just here to help the police find out who did this. And Jack is like, it's a little late for that, don't you think? And he walks off. Clearly, he's disturbed. And Jack's friend explains uh, who he is. He's Pat Manon. And Jack's wife died a few years ago, and Lindsay is all that he has. And we see Morgan peeping out that Jack is standing over by the side, and he seems to be taking some kind of pills. Yeah, I mean, uh, if he's taking pills, he must be suspicious. Right. <laughs> Certainly couldn't be Xanax just to calm himself down because he thinks his kid might be dead in the ditch. And there's a 50% chance of that being the case. Meanwhile, we go back to the body. AJ and uh, Reed, Prentice, Hotch, and Rossi are are making a report, basically, of what ha- what has happened. She's got bruises and severely beaten. She was clearly bound, tied up with a belt, and then also that the girl was pros- probably strangled to death with a belt. Uh, they tell the detective that the reason. Her hands and face were destroyed. That usually indicates that she knew her attacker. So by destroying her ID, they delay any connection being made between who the attacker was and the girl. And so the detective asks if they think the other girl is still alive. And Rossi says, until they find a body, they're going to have to assume that she is. And Hotch points out, as you corrected me earlier, this is only a dump site. They need to figure out where she was actually killed. And our friend Jack, the father of the other miss, one of the one of the girls, is all of a sudden there, sort of standing over the crime scene, looking down on them. And uh, Rossi spots him, and says, uh, 
you know, we really need to figure out which girl we're looking for. That's kind of a priority here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, it certainly will uh, reflect which direction you take the investigation going forward once you know which one's still alive. So then we cut to Morgan talking to Mrs. Owen. Uh, he asks her if they can uh, – apparently there's a message that – a voicemail that Katie left for them, and she gives him, gives her the phone. And I guess the message was garbled, and they couldn't really understand what was going on in the message. But Morgan is going to have uh, Garcia filter the message, so to speak, so that they can hear what is said on it. Yeah, you know, Garcia is going to use the technology that doesn't really exist to make a salient plot point where we're actually going to hear the call that could never actually be re-put together in real life. <laughs> exactly. Of course, it's only going to take her a second or two. <laughs> and uh, so she, well, she's going to she, clickety clack. I mean, I wish she had that. Uh, we had that ability when we edit podcast episodes because sometimes, you know, our audio goes <laughs> and there's nothing you can do about it. No, no, no. Uh, yeah. Boy, if we just had Garcia technology or Garcia. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, she we finally hear the message and it's a disturbing voice message. Uh, you can tell it's the two girls. Uh, one of them is sort of panicking. No, stop. You, can't, you know, you can't. And the other girl, we can hear sort of saying, like, calm down. Don't fight. Don't don't uh, let them see you're scared. That type of thing. So you get two very different pictures of the, the, the two girls that are involved here. So then Garcia types out a quick transcript. I wish. I wish she could type my notes for me. We really need a Garcia. Uh, we can't afford Garcia, my friend. <laughs> yeah. So we cut to Garcia playing this message for the whole team who are at this point now back at the police station. And uh, Garcia lets them know that the message goes on for about 53 seconds before it goes dead. And I don't know how – I guess Garcia says she can tell that she was strangled at the end of the call. So that doesn't sound pleasant. No, I mean, yeah, obviously when the voice goes from you know, actual words to garble, yeah, you know, right. sure. Morgan asks, what are they going to do? And Rossi is like, there's nothing else to do. We have to have the parents ID the voice. And Prentice is like, whoa, that's 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 crazy. And Gar even Garcia is like, yeah, they can't hear this. That's, oh my God, why would you put them through that? Uh, but Rossi says it's the fastest way that they're going to get to find the unsub. And the local detectives suggest maybe they can possibly do the DNA. And then Hotch does this little criminal minds. He looks over, over at the evidence board and some words highlight themselves and point themselves out. And then when we see Hotch turning around to answer the question, he's not actually now answering the detective. Now he's talking to the – we've cut over and he's actually talking to the families and he's telling him – that by the time they got any results back from a DNA test, it would probably be too late to save whichever girl is still alive. He does tell them it's up to them to make the decision, and he explains that if they listen to the message, what they're going to be listening to is the last moments of one of their daughter's lives. Yeah, this is a this is a Schrodinger cat situation. I don't think I want to yeah. <laughs> to observe. Like it'll let it let 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 it hang in the balance there. Yeah. Mrs. Owen is is she's not even going to she's she can't do it. She's going to walk off. She doesn't want to listen. And so the rest of them gather around and Garcia plays the tape. Again, we hear 
the girl pleading for help, the other girl telling her not to fight, not to show that she's scared, and then we go to credits. A little bit later in the episode than usual. Uh, you know, that, that went on for quite some time as we're really getting into this. And I love the fact that after the opening credits, it's just like we're, we're, we're audio's continuing to play. Like we we just right. kind of like Oh, we gotta stop here for a second, guys. <laughs> By law, we, we have to take a commercial break. <laughs> yes, we haven't done the credits yet. Uh, so, yeah, they're still playing the tape, and Mr. Owen appears to be in some denial. He's saying it's not Katie. It's not Katie. Jack says, "Look, it is Katie." He's trying to comfort his friend. Mr. Owen is breaking down. Uh, they kind of walk out, and meanwhile, Hotch says, "What they really need to do is get Lindsay's picture out everywhere." And so they discard, They start discussing the fact that what was done to Katie was very violent and must have taken a long time. And they know that Katie was screaming, so it must have been done where no one could hear her. And so Reed starts to do his map triangulation thingy that he appears to <laughs> that appears to be his job from here on out, figuring out that the kill site is going to be somewhere between the abduction site and the dump site which is a big amount of square miles right there to start off with. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it doesn't take a BAU <laughs> agent yes. to figure out, hmm, it's got to be somewhere between here and here. Yeah, probably. Probably somewhere between there and there, or just beyond, or perhaps right. even somewhere in the opposite direction. Like, yeah, we get it. Yeah, they didn't take a quick flight to to Vegas and then come back or anything like that. <laughs> Kill her and come back. Um Hotch tells Reed to go ahead and narrow it down, and then he tells Rossi, Reed, and Morgan they're going to search Jack Vaughn's house in the morning, and meanwhile, him and Prentice are going to go to the abduction site, and they take a look at a picture on the evidence board of the movie theater marquee, and AJ, it's the Alex Theater, and the movies that are playing are Human Hunt (laughs) and Into the Mouth of Hell. I didn't bother to look those up to see if they were real because I would figure you would tell me because you would do that work. I, no, they, can't, they, they can't be real. I, I do. I do love the, the they travel by Kodak, uh, our, our little standard thing. But yeah. I, which movie do you think the girls went to see? Uh, I mean, do you think these are more human hunt or into the mouth of hell? I mean, they're both kind of on the nose for this episode, huh? Uh, yeah. Strangely enough, I've, I've, for some reason, I want to think they're at Human Hunt, since that's what we're doing this episode. Interesting, uh, interesting. I think I would have chosen Into the Mouth of Hell. but <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so anyway, yes, they do travel there by uh, Kodak. And then we get to the only scene that kind of bothered me <laughs> in the whole episode. Uh, I wasn't a fan of this scene, because uh, it's one of those annoying Criminal mind scenes where Hotch and Prentice are appearing to watch the two girls as they come out so basically it's almost like they're watching a play and that's how they're figuring out what must have happened the girls aren't the same girls that are the missing girls the boys they meet outside are clearly just some other and they're they're clearly watching it and commenting on it instead of saying hey maybe this it just kind of bothered me i don't know if you want to go over that a little a little bit, or if you felt the same. No, yeah, it's 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 the we're going to watch two girls in a similar situation. Whether it was real or imagined, it doesn't really matter. It's like it's it's yeah, it is that hypothesizing on the fly kind of thing. 
Uh, I mean, you basically, it's just a long way to go to say, and eh, they probably knew their abductor because of where they are and strangers are not going to pick up girls in this environment here. The only thing I did like about it is that while the girls were smoking and waiting for their friends to uh, hook up with them, we saw two other movies that will be coming to the theater soon. <laughs> <laughs> apparently, this theater is just the hub of, of horror sci-fi <laughs> because the two movies were creepy crawlers. And Zero Hour, which seemed to involve either time travel or aliens or possibly both. <laughs> yeah, I kind of wish they had gone on that night rather than, than <laughs> human hunting into the mouth of hell. <laughs> I, 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 I can no, imagine no, seeing you know, creepy story. crawlers. Yeah, no, no, that stuff. It's, it's all bang, bang, pew, 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 pew. Yo, if you want to see the latest in horror sci-fi, the Alex is where you gots to be. <laughs> yeah. Anyway... Yeah, the point, like you said, of that scene was to establish that they probably knew their unsubs. And I kind of thought they already established that was why the body was mutilated. So I kind of felt like this whole scene was unnecessary. Yeah, well, a lot of this episode is unnecessary, quite frankly. I think they put so much into the pre-credit sequence. You're like, oh, they got a lot to get. No, they don't have a lot to get through. There's absolutely nothing to get through, really. It's, It's a lot of running in place. So we cut to the next morning and we see the rest of the team is searching Jack Bond's house for for any clues that they can find. Um, and Rossi is asking, he wants to know what happened to Lindsay's mom. And Pat is like, does it really matter? And Reed and, and Morgan explain to them about victimology and how it is important. And so they, they're talking about Lindsay and Jack says, well, she's just like any other 15-year-old girl. But Rossi disagrees, and Morgan points out there is nothing in this girl's room. There's no pictures. There's no diaries, no toys, no no posters. JT poster, he says, which does kind of date the episode. Well, you know, he, it could be JTT posters if it was even older. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, the walls are mute color, and everything suggests Lindsay was keeping to herself she was hidden. She was keeping hidden. She's shy. She shares very little of herself with other people. And Reed says, probably except to one person, her friend Katie. And then uh, at that moment, Garcia has called Reed and she's found a video blog online of Katie's. We do see the video. And basically, Katie is ragging on her friend Lindsay's father, Jack. He never lets up on Lindsay. She even cleans for him, and he treats her more like a wife than a daughter, and basically he's just a creep. Garcia then goes into the story that Katie says about Lindsay and her background, and she starts to say, you know, Lindsay and Jack moved to Chula Vista six years ago, and until she was nine, Lindsay lived in Maine, and Jack apparently owned a fishing boat with his three brothers, and the mom stayed at home, but then tragedy struck. The fish stock went down and dad was forced to sell his boat and the family fell apart and then the mom died in a car accident. And this sounds familiar to Reed and Garcia says, well, it should because it's the exact life story of a girl named Lindsay in a book called The Emerald Sea of Dreams. She's read it like five times. So they're pointing out, yeah, Lindsay stole her name and her story from a book. Why didn't her father say anything about it? Well, he hasn't read the book. (laughs) (laughs) And so Reed also notes that Jack's computer is set up to clear out the history and all the temp files 
uh, on a daily basis. He gives Garcia the IP address, but she can find nothing saying he's set up a proxy or something, making it impossible to track his internet history. And Jack chooses that moment to come in and kind of bust Reed, who makes a really awkward attempt to explain what he was doing. And then they go back to the living room where Rossi is saying, this isn't much of a home. It's got a you know state-of-the-art, high-tech security system, but all the furniture appears to be rented. There's no art. There's no family pictures. So Pat is like, well, what are you guys getting at? And Rossi points out, you know, Katie was begging for her life, what, how you'd expect someone to behave in that situation, a teenage girl to behave in that situation. However, Lindsay was doing the exact opposite, and the way she responded emotionally to the word and to the words that she chose to say on that tape, they indicate that she was either coached or she herself, in fact, experienced some kind of sexual abuse before. Jack is upset at this, and he immediately lunges at Rossi. You son of a bitch, that type of thing. His friend Pat tries to restrain him, and when he does, we can see that he has a gun tucked into his waist behind him, and Morgan yells out, gun, and everybody draws their weapons and pulls it on Pat. He's like, hey, 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 hold on. Let me get my badge, which wasn't wasn't really a shocker to me, but okay. Well, but you look, weren't were, paying attention. There were only two options at this point, quite yes. frankly. Only two options. Either Pat and Jack are in a secret gay relationship, or Pat is a U.S. Marshal with <laughs> yes. protection. Possibly both. I mean, it possibly both. Something could have developed. I mean, nothing wrong with that. But clearly, no. All right, all right, all right. I'm a U.S. Marshal. Here's my badge. Yeah, so... Jack and Lindsay are under witness protection. Then we cut to what looks like a public restroom somewhere. We see a girl. I will go ahead and say that it's Lindsay, and she's got her hands, you know, cuffed behind her or tied behind her. She's sitting uh, in the corner in front of the stalls. We hear a sink dripping, and we see her focus her attention on this dripping faucet, and the noise gets louder and louder, and it it seems as it's making her quite unhappy as we go to break. Yes. Now this is where the, the uh, puppet on the bicycle comes in. <laughs> Are you ready to play a game? Right? No. It, it's a very yeah. saw-like saw uh, bathroom looking dingy kind of thing uh, in a situation here. But uh, okay. Again, this is our first true commercial break. Of the episode, we had the, the the open. So we've gotten a lot of information here, and I think that is probably all they had written. Because <laughs> perfectly, it's like they had a really good idea. Ooh, and, 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 because from here on out, um, uh, we're just going to be like on bicycles ourselves, just pedaling in place until we get to the end of this episode. There's just, mm, yeah, mm, mm, I, I, I'm unhappy with how a lot of this just seems to jog in place. So we do come back. We're outside of the Vaughn house, and I guess the Vaughns must have lived right across the street from the Owens because as we see uh, Hotch and Prentice arriving and going over to the Vaughn house, JJ and the uh, local detective are talking with the Owens across the street, and they're watching as Hotch and Prentice go over into Jack's house, and they want to know what's up with Jack, and Mr. Owens is like, why are you keeping us away from him. Meanwhile, Hotch goes into his house and Morgan tells Hotch about the whole witness protection thing. 
They ask Pat why he didn't tell them right away. He basically says, because this guy's identity needs to be protected at all costs. You know, who knows? This case may have nothing to do with his past. They plead with Jack to let him let them know what's going on. And he says, if this case does have anything to do with him, then they need to be looking for somebody that came out of Boston, probably Irish American, probably two or more men. Hotch says, okay, let's get them back to the station, keep them there until it's over. Pat says, well, you you know what? You have no idea of, of who you're dealing or what you're dealing with. And Hotch says, well, t- tell me <laughs> or, or or basically stay out of my way. Yeah, it's, oh, it's, it's, it's perfect. Hotch, either tell me or GTFO, dude. <laughs> like, Yeah, exactly. We don't got time for this shit. <laughs> so they bring him out of the house and it does look completely like they're arresting him. The way they're kind of walking him out of the house and putting him, escorting him to the car. So that's clearly what the Owens think is going on. Uh-oh, he must have something, to, Jack must have something to do with what's happened. Mr. Owens gets mad. He goes over to confront Jack. He's threatening to kill him if he has anything to do with this. Of course, we have Morgan holding him off. And after a bit, he goes over to hug his wife. And then we cut to Garcia. She's looking again at the video blog and Katie is singing Umbrella. Ella, and Ella, A, A, A. Yes. And uh, Hotch calls her and tells her, to, <laughs> this search that Hotch asks her, I was like, really? Check flights for the last 72 hours. Two men, possibly Irish, <laughs> coming in. <laughs> Really? Uh, what else? Well, <laughs> Coming in from Boston. Check the motels. Check everywhere. We need to find these two Irish guys from Boston that came to the San Diego, Chula Vista, Orange County area. Yeah. It's, in the last three days. It's a bit of a stretch. I mean, sure, you check Logan Airport. You go, are there two Sullivans or O'Connors? <laughs> Uh, it's, I guess it would be two guys traveling together, flying to an airport near Chula Vista. So it, it's not a, it's not the greatest search in the world. And Garcia has done more with less. But yeah, it yeah. is. We are needle and haystacking it here. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. So then we see uh, <laughs> Rossi and Hutch, and they're looking at Jack, who does have a stone cold look in his eye. Now we're we don't know exactly what our suspicions are about Jack yet, but clearly his past is is maybe coming home to roost. And Rossi is saying, "I've interviewed hundreds of killers, and they all uh, there's all types of crazy motives for doing what they did. They all share one thing in common: all of them, it's in their eyes." <laughs> Just, okay, the light, the heat, his eyes, they are complete. <laughs> oh God. So we cut over to the bathroom from before. Lindsay can't take this dripping anymore. It's it's driving her nuts. So she gets up to <laughs> Maybe stop she needs an umbrella. Ella, 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 Ella. Hey, yes. hey, hey. So she gets up and she she's trying to stop the sink, but you know her hands are bound, so she has to use her mouth. And clearly, all of a sudden, she breaks a tooth off in the process. Uh, her mouth is bleeding. She's just saying, shut up, shut up, stop, to the sink. She's shouting at the sink. And then meanwhile, we see a couple of unsubs. Uh, we don't clearly see their face, but they come in 
And one of them says to her, you know, you could have just asked. I would have turned it off for you. How you like them apples, eh? Yeah. <laughs> I'm from Boston. I'm angry. Exactly. <laughs> no? No? Not really. You did not detect uh, any Southie accent? <laughs> I did not. No, no goodwill hunting humans. Uh, so, so yeah, he, the unsub comes over. He's like... You don't know who I am, but I know who you are, Lindsay. And now you know who I am and what I can do and what I will do if you don't shut up. And he's holding a big knife at her. And Lindsay is very confident. Meanwhile, she's like, one way or another, it doesn't matter. You're going to die, buddy. And the way she says it, with the confidence she says it, I actually believe her. At least she's pretty sure of this fact. And uh, the unsub just has a dumb line, oh, ladies first. (laughs) 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 We cut away from that when we go back to the police station where they're talking over the mob situation. Jack is explaining he worked for the McRellan Corporation from Boston. Morgan is like, I like how you're selling that, buddy. By corporation, you're talking about the mob, right? Nobody's been able to get anything on these guys until now. They would murder anyone who was a threat to him, but now Jack is going to spill the beans, basically. The only thing that's keeping him motivated is his daughter, Lindsay, and uh, Hotch asks him if, if what they did to Katie was a message sent to him, and Jack says, well, if it is a message, it's working. Uh, he doesn't recognize the work, though. It doesn't seem like anybody he would be associated with it We have with standards. Has done this. Yeah. Yeah, basically. And then our detective, local detective, I don't know if we ever got a name no, for this guy, because, by again, the way, the whole time. He's, the t- you know, different types of cops. There's, there's helpful, there's hindering, and then there's clueless. This is one of the clueless ones. We don't yeah. need to know his name. He gets a call, and apparently they found an abandoned house that has some evidence, something. And so uh, Hotch asks him where it is. And the detective goes to point it out on Reed's map, and Reed points out, okay, it's still in our comfort zone. And the detective says, well, what does that mean? And Rossi says, it means our unsubs are local. They're still here. So they're going to go check out the house. And as they go, Jack says, Agent Hotchner, whatever you find, I want to see her. Actually, that's the first bit of acting that I actually bought from <laughs> from this guy is like it's like now he's acting like a parent like before it's just like right. he was, he, all they made him look kind of like this boogeyman and like is he really behind this is he's like is he the killer uh this is just like look whatever whatever you find I I need to see okay, fa- exactly. father the father you know kind of thing like, I, I buy this so then we cut to the neighborhood pretty shoddy looking neighborhood with the abandoned house our team arrives in their SUVs, and uh, Hotch is talking to Reed. He's asking how far it is to the dump site from where they are, about five miles. And Reed is, says, "6.2 miles south." <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay, Doctor Reed. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And they're at, they're thinking, why didn't they dump Katie's body on the other side of town? Prentice says they would risk heading out onto the – why did they risk head out onto the open road where everyone was out looking for the girls? And Rossi says, well, something must have forced them to to move on. We cut inside the house. The house is a shambles. There's beer bottles. There's blood on the floor, blood stains. There's clothes. There's a ton of cigarette butts. Your basic 
like shambled abandoned <laughs> abandoned house yeah, graffiti. Although, although this could also be the, the location of where the teens held their party when, when the parents were out of right. town kind of thing. Like it, it, it doesn't necessarily look like this is all from the people who were there last night. This could have been a, a place where they just generally go also. It, it's right. It's, it's weird. That, the house. Yeah. yeah. Prentice does find Katie's cell phone there. And Morgan finds two different sets of footprints, which means two unsubs. Of course, it turns into one set of footprints later on, because that's where I was carrying you. (laughs) (laughs) My unsub is Jesus, folks. We're looking for Jesus. Uh, (laughs) Now, that would have been a twist. That would have... Yeah, so... They point out basically that this place is really sloppy. This doesn't seem to be the work of professionals at all. We think that at this point that we're dealing with not the mob, I should say. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I, again, this is where I feel this episode just didn't have enough runtime at all because – you know, Morgan's going to follow the blood trail out back and they're all going to spread out. Everyone's going to take a different unit in the complex. And we're actually going to uh, we're going to follow them all as they do door to door themselves. Nothing, yeah. nothing. Not. Wow. Were they trying to fill time? <laughs> well, they did it in a very criminal minds way. This search scene, because we start with Prentice. And she finds a place that she's going to look at and she kicks in the door. But when the door is kicked in. We cut to Rossi pointing a gun, so we're moving very cleverly to the next person. Sure, and then sure. When Rossi opens the door, we see Morgan kicking in the door instead. And then very artfully, Morgan goes upstairs, but we cut, and now it's Hotch actually coming up the stairs. Yes, we had to do all of that just to get to Hotch being the one that finds what they're looking for. And, and again, Hotch finds what they're looking for. Again, this is, this is, again, this is where the criminal minds, when, when, when an episode is well-written, they don't have to do these things, but again, it's all to, to kill time and everything. We could have, this could have all been an email and just, you know, had them all go into a room and find this. But Hotch is like, everybody come here. I found something. Yeah. <laughs> he, he radios them over to the last house on the left, second floor. I uh, have found something, and they don't show us until everyone shows up. Like, just show us. It's, he found a dead teen. And apparently there's a lot. This isn't just an abandoned house. This is a, an abandoned neighborhood yes. <laughs> because they, they've just gone into several houses searching. And, yeah, Hotch has found a body. They look at him. Looks like he was uh, stabbed three times. He's got scratch marks on his face and scratch marks on his arms and a bite wound on his hand. And these are all defensive wounds. So perhaps he was doing this with Katie and Lindsay. So it was this kid was one of the unsubs is basically what they've figured out. Yeah, I, like, he probably wanted out. And, uh, there's only one way out. <laughs> yeah, the only way out is death. So they figure out that the other unsubs stabbed him, and now they decide, hmm, maybe he's gone to the police. They can't find him. He's come over to this house. But they're thinking he's gone to the police, so what are they going to do? So they take Katie, and they dump her across town from there, and then they also take Lindsay with them. 
And now we just need to find this guy's friends, whoever they were. Okay, fine. We, we, we don't think it's it's two guys from Boston anymore, so that all stuff was pointless. And I know we can have, you know, leads that go nowhere. That's fine, because they're not perfect. You want to investigate them, but it, it's like you spent so much time on that. Right. <laughs> to have it not be the case, uh, only to now, I'm like, all right, we got to start over. Go to commercial. Let's regroup. <laughs> yes. And, and what, so what we, I think is funny is they come back from commercial and they basically now they're telling Jack what they've discovered. And the first thing that he says, oh, this is ridiculous. There's no way kids did this. So even he's not buying yeah. the plot twist. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. But they still think Lindsay is alive. And Rossi, so Rossi says to him, you know, I do think she's still alive, but I also think you need to let us do our job. Can you do that? And Pat is telling Jack, like he said, this has nothing to do with you. Jack says, well, this punk kid took my daughter. And and Pat says, well, maybe it's karma for all the bad stuff you did in your life. Yeah, <laughs> so. I'm not really your friend. I'm, I'm a U.S. Marshal, even though we pretended we were friends earlier. Yeah, it's just weird to me also that we know because we've seen the bathroom scenes that Lindsay is still being held captive and these guys are jerks. But why does the BIU not think that perhaps Lindsay's in on this with like a boyfriend or something? Why, why do they not consider that? Because I certainly would consider it if I hadn't seen the other scenes. Like, hey, you know, uh, Jack is like a stone cold killer and he's raised this girl and she knew everything to say and she was on the recording and she maybe she's in on it. Like, why do they not yeah, consider maybe, that? Maybe she had something to do with it. Yeah, I'm just saying. Good question. And it it's never brought up. <laughs> so eventually we do cut over to Reed at his map and he's talking to Garcia and he's telling her to check all the high schools in the Chula Vista area. We're looking for males between 15 and 18. And Garcia is like, okay, well, there's seven public schools, three private schools. I'm going to need more information now all of a sudden. Oh, <laughs> two two Irishmen coming from the Boston area is no problem. <laughs> but some kids from a high school with seven schools, it's all of a sudden a big problem. But uh, so Reed describes well, – and, and it's also because they have a picture of, of at least right. the one kid that they're looking for. And so the computer is just doing that, like, photo search, blah, 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 why it's also looking at girls. I don't know. It hasn't been screened out. It's looking at African-American. It's looking at, like, Asian. Like, no, no, narrow the thing down. You've already narrowed it down the parameters. But anyway, click, 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 click. It's not going to take her any longer. She's not manually looking at the pictures. It's just a search engine, an algorithm. It'll find them. And the long and short of it is, of course, Garcia finds the guy well here's the thing she finds five potential matches right four of which look nothing like this guy <laughs> it's very funny it's like either you photo id'd him or you didn't exactly Boy. so this guy this kid that they found was douglas silverman 18 years old and so they need to go interview everybody to, to see if they could figure out who his friends were and rossi says okay we're talking about two or more other boys that we're looking for and one of them is going to be early older early to mid 20s and he's going to be sort of like the the leader of the group and he'll he'll think he's like a real badass somebody who broke the rules and fought against the system and he probably flunked or got got kicked out of high school maybe even the same one that Silverman went to he might also have a record the detective says well 
you know what? Douglas Silverman must have been missing for two days. How comes no one's called about him? JJ brings up that it is a three-day weekend and his parents are out of town or else maybe he called and he said he's okay. Hot says, and now that the weekend is over, I can tell you with what's happened, it's going to end violently. Everybody's working for the weekend. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's, again, there's just a lot of blah, 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 blah in this one. They know it's the kid. It's probably someone who knows the kid. I get all that, but all this speculation is just nonsense. When we come back, we're at the uh, public bathroom again, and we do have our two unsubs that are sort of arguing back and forth. You know, they might still have a chance to get out of this. Uh, The other one, the older one, is trying to calm down the the younger one and uh, saying, you know, relax, you just got to trust me. But uh, the younger one is like, well, what do we do? And the older one says, look, we've, we've got something that they want. All we need now is a gun. And the other one is like, well, where are we going to get that from? And he says, well, you said your old man had one that he let you shoot at one time. Why don't you go get that? The younger one is like, no, I'm not going to do that. And he says, look, we can get out of this. We we have her. All right, just go get the gun. And meanwhile, Lindsay is like, you guys are a couple of dummies, (laughs) (laughs) Um, basically. And, you know – I don't know if this is too bright. She says, you're forgetting something. I saw what you did. I don't know if I would have brought that particular fact up. (laughs) I get that she wants to create tension between them because that's good. She sees they're fighting, poke the bear, poke the bear. But like, you people are idiots. You can't leave me alive as a witness. I saw everything. You (laughs) got to kill me. (laughs) Not probably the right thing to do. Except in the fact that, like, if she directed it at the dumber one, the the submissive one, and it's like, you know, he's gonna have to kill me too, and you're gonna, you 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 were you were upset about the first time, you're gonna have to do it again. So, like, you know, that would have been the angle, but no, she's right. she's just ta- taunting the leader, like, hey, you idiot, I saw what you did. I'm <laughs> exactly. gonna tell the cops everything. <laughs> Yeah. What did you say uh, your name was again? <laughs> <laughs> we, I mean, we were led to believe she was like a smart girl who kind of knew – was hip to the scene. But this didn't yeah, seem with you. in with character you. in line with that. She doesn't really she, – she doesn't really walk the walk. Yeah. So next we cut to uh, some construction site. I was confused at first, but uh, we see that Prentice and Hotch have arrived – and one of the construction workers is actually Mr. Silverman, the the dead boy's uh, father. So they uh, talk to him, and they're asking about his son, Doug. And he, they ask when the last time he spoke to him was, and he's like, uh, hang on, I can call him for you. And they're like, um, well, he's not going to answer that phone. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was kind of a bad way to let them let him in on the fact I, of what's I think, happening. I think he was just, he was in denial. I, I think they kind of hinted at first and he was like, well, I'll just call him right now. Sir, sir he's not going to answer that, sir. And they felt bad yeah. about it. I, but I also think this is another case where this scene was a, a good 40 seconds longer than it needed to be because it, like you said, they could have just walked up to a guy working at a place and said, excuse me, Mr. Silverman, and we we would have gotten it. But instead it was like two guys working, uh, the foreman whistling, weep, weep, yes. point, points, come down here. You need to talk to <laughs> yes. these people. Like, why are we dragging this out? Because we don't have anything to do this episode. 
We wrote a 40 minute episode for an hour block. <laughs> exactly. Uh, we cut back to the police station. JJ and Morgan are talking to the Owens. Uh, they're talking about Doug Silverman. Who, he went to the same high school as Katie and Lindsay. They don't really know who he is. All they know, and Morgan is saying, all we know is he's involved and that there's got to be others. Mr. Owen is like, so this really has nothing to do with Jack. And Morgan says no. And meanwhile, Mr. Owen is saying, well, I vetted every boy that came into Katie's life and made sure I knew everything about them. Sure you did, Pops. <laughs> yeah. Did you know about her vlog? No, for, no, you didn't, did you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We cut to another room in the station where Reed and Rossi are talking to Jack. They're trying to figure out maybe, I guess they're telling him about this kid as well. And Jack is like, I didn't know, know these guys. I wouldn't forget a face. I've never seen this guy's face. And Rossi is saying, maybe she kept these guys a secret from you. And he says, no, Lindsay and I didn't have any secrets. Rossi says, well, that's not true, though, really, is it? And he says, it is true. Lindsay knows who I am. She knows what I was. And Rossi says, well, 10 years ago, your wife died in a car accident. And isn't that why you turned state witness? And he says that he promised his wife on her deathbed he would do whatever it took to protect Lindsay. And Rossi says, well, did you tell Lindsay it was supposed to be you in that car and not her mom? And he says, yes, <laughs> which I thought was like, oh, Rossi, you thought you sort of had him in a lie. And he's like, oh, yeah, I told her. <laughs> like, no, I told uh, her everything. Like, trust me, this is how she knows how to act, I guess. <laughs> and so Rossi is wondering, with all that he taught her, why would she allow herself to get caught up in this? He says she wouldn't. So they ask, well, what about Katie? Then we cut to Garcia looking at the blog, and Katie is saying, boys suck, especially at my school. It's almost like watching an episode of, I don't know, Malcolm in the Middle or something. <laughs> she, <laughs> I, thank you. Uh, I have never watched that, so I couldn't use it as well, an example. Well, neither did I, did but, know. you know, yeah. you, you got you – got, I'm sure you're yeah, right. It, it sounds like it. <laughs> yep. And uh, they're also busy being busy. There's this one guy, though. He's real cute. He hangs out with two dweebs. But Lindsay says I should stay away from him. And meanwhile, Garcia is, like, talking to Reed. And Reed says, well, let's look back to the high school. But boys who flunked out within the past 10 years, 10 years ago, maybe you should go back to then. And meanwhile, on the tape, Garcia thinks that Katie's talking about whoever this guy is right at the moment. And then we see... Reed talking some more with her, and he's thanking Garcia and hanging up. And Garcia, we see, saying, who are you, you son of a bitch, trying to figure out who this guy is that she's talking about? Yeah, someone between the ages of 18 and 30 who may have friends who were dweebs. <laughs> easy peasy. <laughs> I got you. Let me go back to the two Irish guys <laughs> off, the, <laughs> off the plane. Uh, yeah, yeah. We cut back to the uh, construction site, and Silverman is just taking in what he's been told, and he's he's just saying that Doug wouldn't do this. And they say he he did what he was told to do. Silverman just can't believe this. He has changed recently, though. He thought perhaps this was just a phase. And Princess says, yes, a phase manipulated by someone who targeted your son for his own needs. <laughs> and uh, Hotch asks him if he ever mentioned anybody. 
and Silverman brings up that there was this older kid named Ryan that possibly had something to do with this. Actually, actually, this is this is the one bit of acting this episode from one of these bit players that I like because he he actually doesn't say Ryan. He says I don't know Brian Ryan. <laughs> like he doesn't remember. Yeah, I, I like the fact, but. It was like Brian or Ryan or something like, it's, it's like yes, it was Ryan Johnson and he <laughs> lives on 17 yeah. Smith Lane, you know. Like. So then uh, we cut back to the police station. Jack is saying to Rossi how Lindsay would protect Katie like she was her sister. And she would have definitely gone along with Katie if someone had come up and asked her for a ride because she felt so protective over her. That makes sense. Um, that tracks. That, 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 yeah. I buy that. And then Mr. Owen comes over and he says, well, I'd like to speak to Jack if I can. I just really want to apologize to him. So Pat is like, sure. I, come on, never leave these guys alone. Like, <laughs> you know, this isn't going to be good. But they leave the room and let the two men alone in there. Yeah, I mean, you're asking for trouble here. I didn't even know Pat was in the room. Like He just appeared out of the corner like, oh, all right, I'll leave two of them. Like, well, you were here? <laughs> he, didn't, yeah. he didn't have to be in the scene. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> and so basically he starts to say, hey, we've known each other for five years. And Jack is like, no, it's been six. Look, I'm so sorry. But Jack, Mr. Owen isn't really here for that because he wants to know. I guess rumors have been going around. They must figure it out something that they don't know the details exactly, but they know that Jack is uh, probably a dangerous man. I'll just put it that way. And Mr. Owen wants to know if he's still capable of doing whatever it is that he did. And when Jack asks why, he says, well, the dead kid up there, I know exactly who that is. And I know exactly who he hangs out with. Dum, so... Dum, yeah, because basically I know who has your daughter and you can go rescue her and enact some revenge for Katie. Mwaha, mwaha, ha, ha, And I get this. I understand the impulse for him to act this way. It's 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 on the cops and Pat and Rossi for not seeing that this was what was actually happening. So then we get Garcia talking to Reed. She's found three Ryans and uh Reed says, well, the Ryan we went to probably went to high school with Lindsay and Katie a few years back. He got expelled or at least flunked out. Garcia picks out Ryan Felipe, actually, AJ. Yes. That was interesting. Yes. <laughs> yeah, he, uh, he, no, he, Ryan he, Fel- you can find him because he never opens his mouth when he talks. He always talks as a locked door. Ryan Felipe. <laughs> Uh, actually, his name is Ryan Phillips. He was expelled from the high school for smoking pot, she says, years ago. Is that something that still happens? Do you get expelled for smoking pot? I can understand getting suspended if you're doing it on school property. Yeah. But is that expulsion worthy? Pot? In today's day and age? Really? Maybe 2008, it was still... <sighs> I mean, it still seems a little... It seems a bit harsh. I mean, clearly they're not in Colorado. <laughs> but... Uh, you are in California. It's not, it's just not like this is Bible yeah. Belt. I, I don't know. It just, it, it, it could have just, you know, could have, for dealing, could have said dealing. I would have bought yeah. that. It's one word change in the script, but all of a sudden I'm like, okay, so he smoked pot. Okay. So doesn't make him an unsub in my book. Yeah. But meanwhile, Reed has basically hung up on Garcia because he's figured out something's up with Jack and Mr. Owens. And he's like, oh, no. And all of a sudden, we see Pat come into the main area of the police station. <laughs> Looks like he's been hit. 
<laughs> and he says, uh, he's taking my car. The bastard took my car. He gets on his radio. This is Pat Manon. All units, all units. I want an APB out on Jack Vaughn. And that was the whole conversation. I'm like, don't you want to give him more details? Like he's in your car. <laughs> you know, what he, yeah. who he is, what he looks like since he's in witness protection and no one else knows who this guy is. Sloppy writing, sloppy writing. I, it's also the, <laughs> the point of the read doesn't notice Jack is gone, gone right away first so much as he noticed that he left his pills behind. And again, we haven't established that these pills are for anything like particular. Like, it wasn't like, oh, these are the keep him not from going crazy and killing people pills. <laughs> like, we don't know what these right. pills are. Like, oh, no, he left his pills behind. He wouldn't leave his pills behind. Like, okay, whatever. It, it's just silly. Yeah. We cut next to just a quick scene at the construction site where Prentice is letting Morgan know that Jack took off, and but Morgan already heard about it. The detective says, well, where is he going to go? He can't know where Lindsay is, and Hot says, nobody might know who's got her. They figure out that they showed uh, Mr. Owen Doug's photo. He probably recognized it. He probably knows who his friends are. And Morgan says, so now he sent a psychopath after his daughter's killer. Prentice lets them know Garcia got the name Ryan Phillips. He's 28. So Hotch says, well, let's get somebody over to Phillips' house before Jack turns up there. And Rossi says, well, we know Ryan actually won't be there. And so Hotch says, we better figure out where he is before Jack does. And again, I don't I, I don't understand this really. Again, he was expelled and he's 28? <laughs> yeah, it didn't seem to fit. I, I know they the told age. him to go back 10 years, but like, so he, what, what's this Matthew McConaughey's character? <laughs> all right, all right, all right. I'm still hanging out at the school, y'all. <laughs> it, it, it's just weird. It doesn't it? They didn't have to write it this way. It, they really didn't. We next cut over to the younger unsub, and he's at his garage. I assume he was there looking for the gun. He was told to go fetch. Yeah, he's he's actually he's trying to break into his father's gun safe. So kudos to the father for actually having a gun safe that is locked and secured. And this this kid is so stupid, he can't even figure out how to open the lock. Yeah, he's like, come on, damn it. He's trying to get in. And uh, all of a sudden, Jack is there behind him. And he's, you need a hand with that, which I thought was clever. And uh, he's like, well, who the hell are you? And he says, I'm Mr. Vaughn. And I think the unsub doesn't know what he's getting into yet. He's just sort of like, what are you doing at my house? <laughs> and he's Jack starts asking where his daughter is. And he tries to play it off like he doesn't know what he's talking about. And Jack is like, I think you do. And he goes over to the locker and just bangs off the lock, the, knocks off the combination lock with a tool, that he, a hammer that he's grabbed. And he, and he opens it up and grabs the shotgun out of it. And the other on sub is just like, what are you doing? Get out of my house. And uh, he says, does the little shotgun click, click, click. Uh, why is that word not coming to my head? He locks and pumps. loads. He pumps the shot. Yeah. Yes. And says, oh, it's not loaded, are you? Uh, what? <laughs> and then all of a sudden, he turns around and he, he shoots our unsub in, in one of his legs. And he's like, oh, my God, you shot my leg. And Jack says, well, you got two legs. And I got one question. Where's my daughter? <laughs> that was a great line. That was a great line. Yeah. You got two legs. I got one question. <laughs> uh, I love that. It didn't occur to me until right now that you, 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 you've you been calling his daughter Lindsay Vaughn. Uh, not the skier. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Not, not what right. that skier, Lindsay Vaughn. This is Lindsay Vaughn. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. It didn't even make the connection. 
we got back to the police station and Reed is still at the map and uh, Pat is telling him, hey, you got to find this guy fast. And Reed's like, well, what does it look like I'm doing? <laughs> and he says, coloring in a map. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'm with like, Pat on this one. <laughs> <laughs> Except for the fact that he's a U.S. Marshal. He should know what Reed's doing. He should have a little bit more yeah. insight into this. But yeah. Meanwhile, then Pat gets a report that there's gunshots coming from Jackson Street. So he's, he's I guess he's just sure this is connected. So he asks Reed if he's coming. And we cut away from that No, scene. I still have decoupage to do. <laughs> Yes. We then go back to the construction site. Hotch and Morgan are trying to figure out where these guys could be. JJ is there too. And the detective comes up to them and, and lets them know that Jack just paid a kid named Taylor Coleman a visit. And the paramedics are working on him now. I, I like that. He paid him a visit. Now the paramedics are <laughs> yeah. working on, on this kid. So it wasn't a friendly visit? <laughs> <laughs> Reed calls them to let them know, you know, first Reed talks uh, in a huge, long Reed sentence that doesn't tell him anything. And basically Hotch is like, cut to the chase. Where is this guy? <laughs> Reed says, I know it sounds crazy, but I think he's taking her to the Mayford High School, which is two blocks from where Reed is. And so Hotch says, OK, I'll meet you over there. Reed, be careful. And I agree with Hotch. I'm like, Reed, be careful. <laughs> Well, Reed, I thought Reed, the be same careful, damn thing. Not because we don't trust Reed. We don't trust Reed, but <laughs> I mean, you know, it's, let's not Vanderbeek the situation here, Reed. But uh, <laughs> it more than point that uh, because Jack's probably one or two steps ahead of you, and I don't know if you can deal with him. Exactly. We cut back to the bathroom, which now we know is at Mayford High, and Ryan is there. He's trying to call his buddy, but apparently, obviously, we know he's not going to be picking up the phone right now. And Lindsay says he's not coming back. What are you going to do? It's just me and you now. Then Ryan says, well, I, I'm going to do something I've been meaning to do all along. And I think we're getting into some awkward, nasty, rapey type stuff oh, yeah. here. He, he was, what he's yes, insinuating. He was insinuating rapey things, yes. Lindsay is like, well, whatever you do to me will be nothing compared to what my dad will do to you. And Ryan's like, ooh, I'm scared. <laughs> and uh, he better be because Jack is right behind him and uh, grabs him and throws him to the, he smacks to the him. other he, side. He smacks him in the back of the head smacks with his him. shotgun. Yeah, he, he shotgun butts yeah. him. Yeah. And I just I love the reaction is not. Daddy, you've saved me, but kill him, daddy. Kill him, daddy. <laughs> yeah. You son of a bitch. Kill him. Kill him. Yeah. Lindsay is all gung-ho about Pops killing this guy. Then Reed comes around. He's come into the high school, made his way to the bathroom, and he's there now with his gun drawn, and he starts to to, to plead with Jack. You don't really want to do this. Put the gun down. And yeah, the whole time, Lindsay is like egging him on, telling him about what he did to Katie, how he, you know, she begged him to stop and he laughed at her. He just laughed at her. And Ryan is like, please, please, no. I, He's trying to do anything he can to talk himself out of it at this point. He's like, look, I didn't laugh at her. I would change what happened if I could, but I can't. Please don't kill me. Reed is like, Jack, you swore to your wife, you protect Lindsay. Listen to her, Jack. Listen to what she wants. She's she's begging you to kill somebody right in front of her. What do you think your wife want, wanted you to protect her from? Reed has a good argument here, I think. Absolutely. He's like, Jack, 
your life it's been about violence if you do this Lindsay's life will be about violence too do you want that and Ryan is like, no, no, you don't want that. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I'm sure that would be your position, uh, Ryan. Uh, Reed is like, when does it end, Jack? Put down the gun. Lindsay's like, kill him. Reed is like, when does it stop? Jack thinks about it and says, tomorrow, and then takes the shot. Boom. The others are outside the school at this point. They hear the shot. They rush in. They finally figure out where the bathroom is. Reed is in there looking shocked. Jack and Lindsay just walk right past them and they don't like stop them or anything. They just continue to go in and they see Ryan's body. Reed's sort of there looking a little shocked. And Reed says, look, I tried. I really tried to stop him. I, I couldn't. What's going to happen to Jack? And Rossi says, well, I guess it depends how important a witness he is, which is a good point. Like, yeah. despite all that he did and the fact that he just murdered this guy, if he's going to be the one to stop this crime family, syndicate, whatever, he's probably going to get away with and, it. And it's not like, I, although this was a defenseless guy, by the time that he does shoot him and so the, the threat was over... It, it's not like he was a complete innocent. He did just kill Katie. So like it's justified in the sense that uh, you understand that this was a bad guy and you don't feel bad that he was killed. But in cold blood at this point, normally that's still, that's still not exactly something we want to endorse. So basically our episode is just about over. We get a quick quote from Hotch. It is a wise father who knows his own child, William Shakespeare. Then we hear Rihanna's umbrella playing a little bit more. Yeah, and and, and, and we cut and Jack and Lindsay are just kind of like walking, uh, being escorted by Pat to a car. And there was this moment where Hodge yeah. looks at him and Jack kind of like nods as if to like say, mm-hmm, yep, father to father. And like, Hodge is like, nah, man, nah, nah, man. <laughs> it's not quite the same, dude. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. Then we get a last quick cut to what we're told is Atlanta, Georgia. And we see Jack and Lindsay, and it looks like they're meeting a new neighbor. and A uh, new daddy-daughter neighbor combo. <laughs> yeah, it's a daddy and a daughter. They're saying, how you doing? They're introducing each other. And Jack says, ah, my name's Jack. And then Lindsay looks at the other girl and introduces herself as Katie. So she's taken Katie's name. And she gets to start her third life. Ah, yeah, ah. Uh, uh. yes, but we didn't get that said in the anywhere in the episode. Other than we just have to figure it out. Yeah, and there you and that's yeah, the episode, there AJ. There you have it. I thought this was a really good uh, half of an episode. <laughs> a good thirty minutes, I, I, maybe. I, the setup, I, twenty I minutes. The setup was great. I thought that you really, by the time the credits. You know, opening credits hit like you're really into this episode. I like the fact that, oh, this is a guy who had a secret. And then now we reveal the secret. And, oh, my goodness. And then it was just like. <laughs> Let's bring out our barometer and rate if we thought the BAU team actually won the case this week. Or do we think uh, this was a loss? Oh, man, this is a loss. This is a 100 percent loss. I mean, first of all. 
they didn't catch anybody. <laughs> they they did not catch anybody. This was all the one guy they probably shouldn't have let out of their sights, shooting one of the unsubs and killing the other. Reed couldn't talk him down. And really, like, did they save anybody? No. Like, Jack saved his own daughter. That's it. Yeah. This is a loss. This is absolutely a loss. Compounded the fact that, I don't know, I mean, Reed's seen a lot of stuff, but like, Reed's going to be, you know, drooling for a few few days after this. This is not easy on him. Yeah. Uh, I agree with you. We're going to count that uh, as a loss this week. So 12, 12 episodes in, how are we doing so far? Uh, it's it's been a pretty good season. We had a we had a three-game winning streak going here, three-week winning streak. We're, <laughs> we're, we're at 7-3-2. Seven, uh, seven, 7-3-2. and two. Seven, three, and two. So overall, you know, the, the, the team with Rossi is uh, is doing well. But uh, yeah, no, no, no se bueno. Perfect. And AJ, another thing we like to do at the end of all of our shows is uh, something I like to call three questions. A little quiz, if you will, uh, inspired by the episode we just watched. Yes, indeed. And, uh, you know, your record so far this season, uh, not horrible. 10 right out of 33 so far. So it's ballpark not too bad let's see if we can get you back on the winning track uh with this one all right all right easy peasy easy peasy here uh we're gonna talk about jack from this episode an actor by the name of frederick lenny or lean i don't know how to pronounce it it's spelled l-e-h-n-e uh he's one of those guys who's been on a million things one of the i know that guy so in this episode we know that jack was in the custody of a marshal by the name of pat Manon. on what television show did Frederick appear in 11 episodes as a marshal named Edward Mars? You would think that would be easy. But I did did feel like I recognized this guy. He's a marshal, a U.S. marshal. A U.S. marshal. Was, oh, was he the guy from Lost? Well, in this case, that he was trying to save, uh, save uh, Katie, and uh, he was... Charged with bringing Kate in on loss. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Okay. Surprised that it's 11 episodes? Probably because of flashbacks. Lots of flashbacks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, uh, uh, yeah, it took me a second, but then I was, I was trying to figure where I saw him. There you go. But yeah. Okay. Cool. Very good. All right. Question number two. All right. Lindsay Vaughn. Our, uh, not so tough, <laughs> tough girl in this one uh the actress who played Lindsay vaughn did not have to audition in order to get this part in this episode why huh i don't know i figure she's probably related to someone aj uh how specific do you need me to get i'm gonna say it's because she's related to someone involved with the making of the well, show i'm gonna need a little bit more specific than that oh crap all right uh She did not have to audition because she is the daughter of our writer, Simon Mirren. Excellent guess. Excellent guess indeed. Uh, no, but you're, 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 you're right. She is related. She's the daughter of someone. This is Gia Montaigne, Rossi's ah. daughter. Who has appeared at this point has appeared in uh, four things, uh, three of which 
Joe Montana was also involved with. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good. She was she was fine. Yeah. Uh, in her part, good for her. I say good for anybody, no matter how you know. If you have a break, if you have the ability to get a break in this business, please take it. Go for it. Yeah. Uh, and especially if you actually have a little talent, I felt like she was fine in her yeah, role, so I'm fine, not mad at it, that. It was nice to see. Like I, I, I gotta tell you, I didn't know until I until I was uh, doing my notes for this episode. I've I've seen the episode a lot of times. Never never noticed that her name's in the credits either. <laughs> and it's like, well, Gia Montana. Wait a second. <laughs> ah. there you go. Um, all right, all right. Now my favorite question. You noted my favorite question. What will the plot of our next episode be? That would be Criminal Minds, Season 3, Episode 13, the title of which is Limelight. Limelight. Is it A, how far is too far when it comes to being a fan of a band? We go to Cleveland and then to Cincinnati to find out. Is it B, how far will an aspiring actor go to become famous? When they don't have enough talent to actually slay it on Broadway, we go to New York City to find out. Is it C? How far will an FBI agent go to catch a serial killer when there's not enough evidence to make an arrest? We go to Philadelphia to find out. Or is it D? How far will the BAU have to go to catch a serial killer who has been on the lam for several decades? We go to Alaska to find out. How far are we going, AJ? That's my question to you. <laughs> I don't think we're going to go to Alaska. At least not yet. That sounds like more of a year 12 or 13 <laughs> desperation move to me. Um, uh, it's called Limelight. And in honor of the club... I don't know if you ever went to it. I actually, yes, I did. City. Yes, I did. The converted church. Yes. The old church. Yes. Uh, I had been there a couple of times myself. In honor of that, I will say the answer is option B. Somebody in New York City trying to become famous and then however else you phrase to that. But that's how far we're going. We are going. Uh, well, as the crow flies, my friend, I think uh, we're not. Going nearly as far as to New York City. Gonna stop a little bit just short of that. We're uh, going to see how far an FBI agent will go to catch a serial killer when there's not enough evidence to make an arrest. And we're going to go to Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love, to find out. Beautiful. Beautiful. I am looking forward to it, and I cannot wait. And, uh... Well, that was fun. That was uh, as inspiring a three questions as it always is. <laughs> yeah, we, we enjoy doing the three questions. We enjoy getting back on the horse. Uh, and uh, hopefully, hopefully, uh, Limelight will prove to be a little bit more coherent from start to finish than Third Life was. I hope so, too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. Hey, that is the show for this week. Thank you so much for joining us. I uh, hope you had a good time. As usual, please be sure to subscribe to Rate and Review Our Podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Be sure to spread the word. Let your friends know about us. 
You can also write to us at poloniuspundits at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at podcast underscore pundits. For AJ Mass, this is Kintad Svensgaard saying goodbye and keep profiling. Wheels up. You can never make the same mistake twice. The second time you make it, it's not a mistake. It's a choice. Stephen Dent.